Hello, beautifuls. Teresa here. Um, I am excited to sit with you today. One of the things that I want you to know that a lot of times my podcast can come about because I'm taking a client on a journey or into a next level concept and I don't like typing. (laughs) I like talking. So that's kind of where some of my podcast episodes come from, supporting clients out there. And a lot of my listening, listening audience is clients who have graduated from my, my uh, signature, uh, signature programs, like 360 tap, 360 tap for couples, 360 tap for youth, where I work with teenagers and parents and such. So a lot of my listening audience is there. So a lot of them know somewhat the concepts that I teach, but this podcast, these podcast episodes can be a little on the explanation side of it, a little on or around going deeper. Okay. So there's something you're doing that is keeping you from a treasure that might be on the other side of a blockage. If you were to get the treasure, you might be able to live deeper or truer or freer, right? So I have clients that are working on and and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they have these blocks that are holding them back. Um, They have a tendency to, to set them back right? Blocks is what we're going to talk about today. And then we're going to talk about how to get to the treasure, right? Your treasure. But there is a quest you have to go on first to get it, your treasure. A lot of people reject or resist or don't accept the invitation and or Due to so much resistance, they feel they can't accept the invitation, like they can't do it. And that's just not true. It takes what I call kind of a blind faith, and I'll talk about that more toward the end of this podcast, but a belief in the unseen, a belief in the unknown, a movement where there is no evidence to prove that it would work, right? So we have just to take what, what some people refer to as a leap of faith. So how do we know when we should pay attention to a block or a concept we should endorse or pay attention to or accept? You know, there's a lot of things that come up. A lot of people telling us, you need to do this, you need to do that, blah, 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 blah. So how do we know when we should pay attention to a block or a concept that we should endorse or we should pay attention to or we should maybe accept, right? Or when is it just bullshit? Or when is it just criticism? You know, where where do you or how do you decide, right? Where you just say, like if it's a criticism where it feels like bullshit, you just say, no, I'm good, thank you though. <laughs> so the answer 
is, it goes like this. You just always know. <laughs> like if I bring up something to a client in a session, uh, let's use naps, for example. I teach my clients how to listen to their body, especially when triggered. And, you know, clients at first say, I don't feel anything in my body. That's resistance. You can say, I don't feel anything in my body. However, I've not really ever paid attention to my actual body when I was triggered. Right? That's a little different. That's a little more open. That's a little more willing. That's a little more curious. Then, yeah, I don't have anything going on in my body. You don't think you have anything going on in your body because you've not been taught to listen to your body. When I say listen to your body, it'll be like, where do you feel? This is the first place you go when you feel triggered. You know, lots of people ask, when I'm triggered, I don't know what to do other than react, right? Here's what you do. You evaluate your body. Where do you feel that trigger in your body? For me, I get heart palpitations. And I also will break out in kind of this red, splotchy, nervous-looking thing on my skin. Another thing I can spot now is an interruption or a disruption of the breath, right? (laughs) That was a funny sound. A disruption of the breath. It's not smooth. It's not fluent. It's um, rigid and like huffy and puffy. (laughs) My breath gets rigid and huffy and puffy. So there's where you go. And you work on calming all those things in that moment versus addressing the trigger. Okay. So I did that with a client and he was like, I don't, I don't really feel anything in my body. Oh, okay. So you keep writing checks. I'll make suggestions and you dismiss them and keep doing what you're doing. Yikes, right? He came to me for help. He understands he has something going south, something that's blocking him, affecting him, messing with his mojo. But when I bring up something as mundane as listening to your body in the moment of a trigger, he's clueless, yet resist. Has no idea how to open up, be willing, and be curious. So what I want for him and what I want for you is when someone makes a suggestion, you just simply say, you know, I haven't ever done that or I haven't experienced that, but I'd love to focus on it and play with it. Maybe see if there's something there, right? Another thing I think of is a nap. Like suggest to someone to take a nap. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't do naps. I didn't either. Right up until my body completely quit. And I had to lay down between my coaching sessions. And in that process, I learned how much my body needs to elevate legs, breathe oxygen all the way to my toes, and relax, and even sleep. 
you know, the first part of that process, I fell asleep. Six months later, I didn't fall asleep. My body needed rest. We did rest. We did sleep. I set my alarm and such so to get by throughout the day. But my body, when I got up, felt tremendously different in a good way. And I knew that I was helping myself. I was loving myself. And I was healing. And I would come out of this, right? So that's where I learned this. It wasn't because... I wasn't a workaholic. I have always been a workaholic. It wasn't because I didn't have any guilt if I took a Sunday afternoon nap or if I laid down after work for 45 minutes. Guilt. Good God. How shameful to rest like that. Who takes naps? That's for sissy pussies. <laughs> it's just not true. That's an illusion that culture creates in us to keep us driving our asses to the grave. Society says, ooh, no napping. However, if you go overseas, mm, they love to nap and they love to sit back and they love to celebrate and they love to enjoy life. Not in the Western culture, right? Drive, 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 go, 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 more. More. You need more. You need a bigger house. You need more vehicles. You need more land. You need more, 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 more. Right? So I shut that shit down. I came over and decided what it is I really wanted. And I hope you can too in this process. So the answer to these questions, whether it's bullshit or something you need to play with, is you just always know. I had a client make fun of me the other day because I said, you know, in your gizzards. He was like, I hate to tell you this, but the only animal that has gizzards is my uh, birds. Yeah. I'm like, cool. It's a play on words. It was fun. If you don't like it, you know, plug your ears. Yeah, like I don't care what you think. Take your judgmental pointy ass finger and put it in your pocket. <laughs> so if you're quiet and you're by yourself, what is the thing? Ask yourself, what is the thing I'm not saying out loud or unwilling to say out loud? that I know to be true. For me, for me personally, in my personal life, it was that I sucked. And then I went on to describe what it was that I thought about myself that totally sucked. And it was my temper. It was my intolerance for being pushed around or told what to do or held down. You know, I still take a stance today. You know, why is it that women are always called to survival mode to survive? How come women are called to survive? It's survival when you're held down. 
It's survival when a guy takes his hand and puts it over your mouth and your nose so you can't make noise and he is able to hold you down. That's survival. It's survival when you wake up at two o'clock in the morning and you have a pistol held to your head. The calmness that you have to try to get out of that experience without dying is survival. You know, my little granddaughter was approached in the lunchroom and this, she happened to turn on her video because this dude was videoing her. So she turned on her video. It was two minutes and 40 seconds where no teacher was to be seen. And she was in survival. You could hear her trying to stay calm within her voice. You could hear her trying to not react and or overreact. You could hear that she was cornered in a lunchroom and it went on for two minutes and 40 seconds. And not a single teacher was aware that this was happening. That is survival. The people that approached her were male. She is female. And it was survival. (laughs) When people come to you and ask, is this a problem? We always know that that person already knows it's a problem. So if you're quiet and you're by yourself, what is the thing that you're not saying out loud that you know to be true. When people come to you and they ask, is this a problem? We who are self-evaluating always know that that person already knows it's a problem. So if they're bringing it up, we already know. We already know it's a problem, right? We have to get out of ego to even see the invitation. It's not like this invitation is feeling like it's coming from an angel, right? (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. I'm your angel and you've been invited to a quest. (laughs) It feels more like someone telling you you're being an asshat or telling yourself this or that you're hurting yourself or hurting someone else, right? It's not like your angel floating above you saying, hey, you're being invited to a quest. (laughs) It feels like somebody telling you you're being an asshat. And they are. And you're also telling yourself this or that at least you're hurting yourself or hurting someone else. So we must get out of our own way and stop resisting to even see the invitation. Right? We don't want to see the invitation as an insult. We must get rid of ego to accept an invitation to a quest instead of seeing it and feeling it as an insult. So I tag myself or label myself as a trauma recovery coach. And to step into recovery, 
is like a reclaiming of a part of ourself that we were supposed to be or some part of our life we were we were meant to have recovery is a reclaiming or to salvage or to rescue right recovery is a reclaiming of what could have always been it's a regaining a thing that was lost or is lost and the ego wants to is devoted to holding on tight it is very very protective and devoted with you in being right and refusing to change or to step into anything that could be labeled the unknown the ego is very defensive and the ego will make excuses i do this because he does that or i do this because she does that or this or whatever that becomes a habit and i'm going to tell you right now not a habit that serves you so the true self the original core essence of you the true self the original core essence of you is soft and a little curious and it's longing for yearning for something better on one side it is mm judgmental and defensive and on the other side it is open and curious and soft and willing right when someone comes to you and says what you're doing is hurting me or us the norm is we are defensive because we're like why should i make the world perfect for you it's never been perfect for me and that's where we get that me myself and i syndrome right selfish self-seeking and serving why should i make the world perfect for you it's never been perfect for me me myself and i and it begins that cycle of tug of war it can be tug of war with a teenager it can be tug of war with a significant other it can be tug of war with a 10-year-old they can never be motivated by mm, pleasing someone else though your stepping into recovery can never be motivated motivated by pleasing someone else it can never be or about preserving a relationship it can never be about making someone else feel better or happier or whatever right stepping in to recovery can never be about anyone else if it is it will never be sustained it has to be be because you believe it could be better for you it has to be because you believe it could be better for you life could be better for you circumstances could be better for you experiences could be better for you that's the reason to step into recovery i deserve to tear down blocks you deserve it 
You deserve to tear down these blocks because you deserve a better life. Say to yourself, I know deep in my bones this is true for me or that is true for me and go do the work for you. No one else, please. It's never sustainable. If you do it for someone else, I guarantee you, if your deal is shopping, you'll be out shopping in about two months. If it's raging, you'll be raging in about two months. If it's drinking, you'll be drunk as a skunk in approximately two months. Because putting our emotional safety, our mm, emotional wherewithal in or around anyone else keeps you on a roller coaster of chaos. You expect this and you don't get it. You want that and you ain't going to get it. You know? Mm, Making them your God and they suck at being a God. (laughs) They suck at it. Okay. We're headed toward the end. You in the past, in your old timeline, you are making decisions based on a previous version of you. You're making decisions today, for example, that were decided in the last 40 years. A previous version of you decided that you need a drink. Decided that you need to eat, decided that you need to gamble, decided to shop, decided to interrupt others, decided to control conversations, decided to control the room, decided to yell and scream and call people horrible names, decided to toke, decided you need sex now, right now, at this time. That's a previous version of you. A previous, and it was, and it came about in order to survive at some point. Probably not the last experience, but where it started, started as survival. A previous version of you, I say, a previous version of you, I say, and I say it, feels like and felt like survival when you picked it up. When you clung to it, as if your life depended on it, it, whatever it is, gave you a little relief. Stop the bleeding for a moment, right? The thought of giving that up is traumatizing all on its own. Yet here's the gift, here's the treasure of doing the work, coming to a place of honesty and truth and trust in yourself returning to your original core essence that's soft and open and willing and curious by admitting you suck at one thing or ten things it doesn't matter you suck admitting that you suck and that you need help takes you to a place of peace Admitting what you suck at takes you to a place of peace, of trust, of no more fucking secrets. It makes all those things that you've been doing 
to put a Band-Aid over whatever it was, the Band-Aid being a drink, eating, gambling, shopping, interrupting, controlling, screaming, hollering, name-calling, right, sex. It makes all those things that have been running your life (laughs) completely unnecessary. Can you imagine not having to stop drinking? But to get to a place where the drink isn't really necessary? Can you imagine stop stopping name-calling and being ugly? Can you imagine getting to a place where you don't even feel the urge? <laughs> a place where it's completely unnecessary to act out? Can you imagine? I'm saying that is the gift. I'm saying that is the treasure. And I've seen it come forward and land in people's laps over and over and over again. It's why I'm so confident in my coaching and in my coaching style. Yes, I take you by the hand and yes, I will lead you through the mud and the muck. And yes, it gets so ugly. But as you get through the mud and the muck and you come out of the ditch on the other side, you are more you than you've probably been in your whole adult life. You're more you as in that two-year-old that can run around butt naked and be happy as a lark. That's your original core essence, by the way. Life stomped on it and tromped on it, right? But there's still that original core essence in there. So what you're doing when you decide to go into recover to remove the blocks is that you're deciding without any evidence that you can live without fill in the blank. Okay, listen to that again. When you step into recovering, removing those blocks, you're actually deciding without any evidence that you can live without fill in the blank, without raging or without blaming or without making excuses or without shopping, right? It is the biggest leap of faith on the planet and it is done with no evidence. Like there's no proof that this will work. That is a leap of faith. I've seen it work over and over and over and over and over. That's why I get so passionate in my coaching style because do what I tell you to do. Use the words I tell you to use. It's not forever. I don't care if you don't like them. Use them and follow my direction and do what I tell you to do. And you will come out with ownership of your original core essence, making all this other bullshit that is messing with your mojo completely unnecessary. I am not kidding you. I've seen it over and over and over again. It's, it's getting to the edge and it is taking the leap into the unknown. You know, I love this quote and I'm going to close with it. Let me fall if I must. 
the man or the woman I am becoming will catch me. That is trust in self. And I have that. And I teach other people how to have that. I'm going to say it again. Let me fall if I must. The man or the woman that I am becoming will catch me. I teach you how to be that for yourself. Anyone who is in recovery must step into a new self, must be born again. There is a newer version of self when you get rid of all that mud and muck and unnecessary bullshit. When you get rid of that and you return to original core essence, there is a new version of self waiting for you and waiting for you to create more of the things that you want, the things that you love. A forward version of self that's going to be able to speak fluently about how you suck with no guilt, no shame. Can you imagine speaking fluently about how badly you suck with no guilt and no shame? I do it every single day. That's what I do when I share my stories on here. I have zero guilt, zero shame. In every one of my experiences, I found a new level of me and I carried that foundational brick over there to a new timeline. And today in my new timeline, I stand on it. I honor it. I love it. Not what happened at the scene of the accident. I don't love any of that shit. But what I learned from it is a building block that I'll carry from my old timeline to my new timeline and I'll be standing on it, honoring it, devoted to it, loving it. You know, when I go, got okay with what sucked about me, I got better pretty much instantly. And I still have things that come up today that I find suck about me. And when I speak them out loud, I get better. When I own them, I get better. When I talk about them, I get better. When I run it past my coach, I get better. And you will too. <laughs> I love you big. If you're listening and you're new to my programs, yes, yes, please go to kingconceptsnow.com. Click on work with Teresa and click on my two-hour test drive. I volunteer two hours a week um, to serving in a coaching session. And that's open to anyone who needs it, okay? The other things work with Teresa. You can do that one-on-one. You can do that in my couples program. I have a fly-in, fly-out program where I come to meet you where you are. Um, Anything and everything that you want or you desire. I love it when you share this podcast. I would love to have you go, um, you know, give me that five-star rating and tell me a little bit about what you love about my podcast. If you don't love it, never mind. (laughs) I love you big. And I will see you next time. This is Teresa signing off.